This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, Miles Blumsom here, filling in for Matt Beadle on the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. Going to be joined this evening by Robin Hood McMichael. (laughs) <laughs> and David XG Anderson. The Brentford fans, the most important people in this fan show, as Charlie was saying before, that there's no football on at the moment because of coronavirus, but we still want to talk about it. We want to talk about the effect coronavirus is having on clubs, on the fans themselves as well. If you want to get in touch with the show, you know the number, 0208 70 20 558. You can call us, you can send us a message on WhatsApp, or you can tweet us as well, at Love Sport Radio. Now, this is the day that Boris Johnson has said avoid offices, avoid pubs, avoid travel to stop the virus. Um, what we shouldn't be avoiding is the radio, because we can tell you everything that you need to do. As I said earlier, join today by Rob Robin Hood McMichael, Dave XG Anderson. Gentlemen, how are you feeling so far? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. It's, uh, it's weird to be on a Monday and sitting at home uh, over, over the radio rather than being in the studio with you lovely, lovely gentlemen. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a real sort of feeling of unknown and un- uncertainty. I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this before, certainly not in football or in my lifetime. Um, and I was speaking to my dad earlier on, and he, he's he's in a similar position. So yeah, I'm not really sure how I'm feeling at the moment. I think I don't know how you feel, actually, but I'm 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 just I'm really just I don't know how to feel essentially. Yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it? That it's it's so, so un. It's, there's not much clarity going forward as to what is going to happen because it's an unknown and it's not necessarily what we can what we can do and uh, it's hard to, to, to actually place blame anywhere dave bringing you in here how have you been feeling as well um yeah just echoing what uh, robin was saying I, I we're kind of all unknown aren't we we're we're sort of stuck in this in this sort of limbo situation we we had the early april date where football was supposed to be postponed to but i don't i don't think anyone really believed that was that was feasible. So we're we're kind of 
we're kind of a bit lost at the moment. We're not we're not really sure when when sort of football will return and uh, and how long the timescale will be. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's no one, none of us uh, our age or sort of unless you're sort of around the wartime. I don't think you've experienced anything like this at all. No, no, I completely agree. Now, the EFL meeting is going to be on Wednesday to determine what is going to happen with the rest of the season. This is what... Uh, it, it's, it's at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, sports fans' minds, not everybody's minds. I know there's a lot of people that don't think that football is the most relevant thing right now, but for some people and for the fans, it can be. Wednesday... Does this meeting, can they actually make a plan? Can they actually give us a conclusion as to what is going to happen? Because we don't know how long this virus is going to be around for. What can they actually achieve on Wednesday? The only possible conclusive outcome would be to cancel the season, surely? That's interesting. I don't don't say that, Miles. Cancelling cancelling football, I tell you what, I don't envy them. Uh, in the position. It's not very often I feel sorry for the powers that be at the EFL and in, in, in the Premiership and at the FA, but I really don't envy their position. I think cancelling the season at this moment in time would be quite, uh, I think, a, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I think we need to wait and see how the situation... If I were them, I'd be wanting to see how the situation played out a little bit. Um, I think what I'm hoping for is that we get some kind... From the Wednesday meeting is that we get some kind of direction as to what the plan is, because a lot of the times these, these sort of meetings happen and we don't actually know what the sort of what the what the desired outcome is going to be i think if they come out after the meeting and say that there's this is what the plan of of, of action is but don't necessarily have um a clear and concise um definitive answer yet that'll be fine but if they come out and just basically say we don't know then it's gonna i think um rub a lot of football fans up the wrong way yeah i agree I, i'd be so, so sort of calling the season an end and saying that's it I, I think that has to be a last last resort i think you've got to think about loads of options until that until that moment but there are plenty of things they can do on wednesday they can sort of look around uh, sort of how how clubs might survive cash wise there's probably a lot of clubs on the brink at the moment i, I think brentford are probably quite lucky because we're we're run quite well but there are a lot of other clubs that aren't as uh, fortunate as us so they might they might agree some things around uh around the flow of money and how uh, sort of clubs might get a bit of support there with uh, with wages and sort of staff. Um, there could be a few things they could do. They could look, they could start to sort of look at, at the gaps in the in the future and where and and a real time scale of what they actually genuinely think is going to happen in terms of when football could be back because I think that's that's a really big unknown and and really it's just an evolving situation. In sort of twenty four hours time it could be it could look very different to what it does now. So uh, there'll be there'll be something that goes on there, and hopefully there's some good that sort of comes out of uh, the next series meeting. Do you think that they can actually clarify on when football will come back? Do you think there's anything they can do that because that's what a lot of people are assuming that they're going to make this finite decision as to what the state of football is it going to be back in April? Is it going to be back in June, July? Is it going to be back next season? Can they actually make that decision because we don't know what is going to happen virus-wise in the in the coming months? Well, unless you're no, no. yeah, unless, unless you're a part-time FA chief executive and a part-time World Health, World Health, Health Organization officer, I don't think you really can tell exactly how 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 big an effect and how big a ramification this is going to have and how long it's going to go on for. I think that the the the, the clear thing is to have a kind of like I said earlier, it's it's hopefully they have a sort of a, a a direction, a clear direction that they will be going in if certain things happen and depending on how long the virus goes out for, goes on for. I think what, what the worst thing that they could do is come out and say, we don't really know, we're just going to see how it plays out. But just if they, if they are able to communicate the, um, the, the sort of what the, the, the plans are in place, 
if um, X, Y, or Z happens, then I think, I mean, that'll be satisfactory for me anyway. Do you think that... What, sorry, what do you think they need to do? How would you like to see the season resolved now for, from a Brentford perspective? Brentford sat in fourth in the league, 10 points off West Brom. It seems unlikely now that Brentford would go up automatically, but definitely in the driving seat in terms of the playoffs. How, what, what do you think the best way would be going forward to finish the season? Is it delaying it? Is it, what, is it delaying it? Do, you, do, you, do we have to finish the season? Yeah, for me personally, I think the season has to be finished. I mean, you you can't really you can't go into a new season with sort of without completing the others. Um, each season leads on from the previous season. There there are things that have to happen to agree the next one commencing. So I think you have to do everything you can to finish this one. That's I think that's a given. I think everyone probably will agree on that eventually. Um, no, what needs I to be discussed? Agree, actually, yeah. What what needs to be discussed is sort of the timing and when it happens and what needs to be shifted around to fit it in so there's probably going to be a bit of a squeeze schedule and it might be a little bit tighter but other things are going to have to make way for this season to be completed but i think logically and uh, if everyone's serious about it this season does have to be finished and for, for brentford as well i mean the chance of promotions there uh automatics does look like it's skipped away that's probably a bit too too big a gap to pull back but there's four clubs in the playoffs looking at the opportunity to go up and just because it's sort of it doesn't look like that's on the table now. It doesn't mean it won't be in a month or so. So I think you have to, you can't be looking at sort of cancelling the season and voiding this period. That's, um, that's an absolute last, last resort. And I don't think anyone really wants that to happen deep down. No, I completely agree. I think um, the, if you look around world football in all the other countries and leagues that are being put on hold because of coronavirus, I think if you were to put it to the world of football, they as much as great as the Euros are, uh, in terms of being a wonderful spectacle that happens every four years, and as good as the cup competitions in domestic leagues are, in domestic uh, competitions are, I think the key thing is finishing every every season's league games uh, because that sets ramifications uh, for the following season. So I, if, if it were up to me, um, and I'm quite glad it's not up to me because there's no situation <laughs> that I think is going is going to please everyone. Um, so what I would say is finish the, um, finish all the league seasons by whatever sort of in whatever time frame that is and have a plan in place to either start the season a little bit later or start the season uh, or maybe close the transfer window or have the transfer window move slightly. There's so many ramifications, but yeah, for me, the, the league season across all divisions, across all countries needs to be completed. Robin, what you have just done is answered the question I was just about to ask about whether we scrap all the other cup competitions uh, to get the leagues done. It's almost as if I read your mind, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice that someone knows what I'm thinking. I wish my girlfriend would be the same sometimes. Um, if we're, if we're, Careful, this is on radio. Yeah, I know. I know. She, it's all right. She's at work. She can't listen this time. Well, I, won't, I, won't tell, I won't tell her to listen back to this week. No, when, we, when it comes to getting football back, how does this? How will this work? Say it's August and it comes back. We've got a what? We've got eight games. Not we've got nine games left to play in the league, plus playoff fixtures. Would you like it to be seen that there's like a five-week period where there's games every couple of days to get through all of these fixtures? You only do instead of doing a home and away leg in the playoffs, you just have one game in a neutral venue and then a final. And do, and will there need to be a period, almost like a mini preseason, for players to come out of the self-isolation that that most players are in to get their fitness back? Well, yeah, no, I think you've, you've raised a good point there. I think formats, we, we sort of think of formats as inflexible because they're the formats. But 
a championship uh, sort of playoff semi-final doesn't need to be two legs. It can be just a single leg in a, in a neutral venue. So that, that squeezes a, a week-long period. Uh, you, can, you can sort of get more into that period. Um, I, I think they'll, just, they'll take into account the safety of players. They won't, they won't sort of flog them too hard. They'll be, they'll be thought around it and they'll, get, they'll sort of consult and they'll say, but two games in a week, I think February, I think Brentford played seven or eight games of Brentford February, just off the top of my head. I haven't looked back at the schedule. And um, it, it's doable. You can, you can squeeze, <laughs> let's just say it's bloody, but you can squeeze a lot out of these players. And, and I, I think they will do. I think it will just be, um, a really tight period and we'll get through and really it doesn't matter when it finishes and because the next season hasn't started you can extend that to really wherever you want in some respects you obviously not not in 2021 but you can extend that and this season can be prolonged so I think I think they'll come to some resolution and they'll be okay in the end Absolutely, I think the season can be prolonged. If you look, if you think about it, the summer transfer window, um, or the summer um, off-season and pre-season lasts what is you know it's sort of mid mid to late May to the start of August. So it's almost as if you use that time period to um, carry over any of the games that have been postponed, and you play it there, and then you maybe take August off. And I, I, I completely get what Dave was saying. Like if you, I remember, I think it was Wayne Rooney once said, was once asked, you, you must be tired playing sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday every single every single week, and he said, I'd, I'll be honest. I'll, I could, I'd, I'd play every day if I could, and you know these, these are professional footballers. And I think if you were to say to them, um, you're going to be playing more football more often, I don't think they'd shirk that, shirk that as an offer. Um, and obviously, we'd have to be quite careful in terms of managing their, the players' health, of um, making sure that they're not overloaded with too much. But I think it, it, it makes so much more sense to, um, if you, I'm trying to put myself in the players, um, in the players' minds, and think. If I was a player, how would I want to do it? And as a player, I would reflect the fans' thoughts and the majority of the fans' thoughts of wanting to complete the season in its the league season in its format, uh, and then I'd just maybe take a shorter, shorter um, half-season break, move the Euros to 2021, and complete the league season, and then start the new season maybe in September. I think it's I think it's the easiest way to appease everyone involved in in the world of football. Not, I'm, I'm trying not to think t- just in, in the championship. Cause mm. As Brentford fans, we're, we're quiet. We can sometimes be blessed with rose-tinted glasses, but that's the way I do it too because I think it's the solution that best fits everyone. And there's no solution that's going to be completely 100% brilliant for everyone, but I think that's the one that works the best. Of course, if football can come back at that time. Uh, just to go back to what you were saying before, Dave, there were seven league games for Brentford through February, so it wouldn't be too out of the question. You think about a World Cup programme, there's goals, there's games sorry, every few days for teams as well. We've, we hopefully replacing the Euros with, with the football, which uh, we will find out tomorrow about with the UEFA meeting. Um, you mentioned earlier as well, Dave, actually, the financial ram- ramifications. Potentially, Brentford being in a good spot financially, but other teams not. How much longer can it go on for before even teams who seemingly are in good financial situations like Brentford uh, start to get hit by this? Uh, I, I don't know exactly without, so yeah, so I am an accountant myself, so I should probably know more about it, but I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be too confident. I think there are a lot of clubs that are, yeah, they need, they need match day revenue and they need it quickly. They can't, they're struggling without sort of match day. They're struggling without coronavirus. 
to pay the bills anyway. I think now that they are. Now that there's no football at all and they're not getting matchday revenue on top of that, there's going to be double struggling. So it's not great, but this, I think this is just where football needs to come together. And actually, there are lots of pools of money in this in this game, and they are probably just sat there doing nothing. It's probably time that uh, some people sort of helped out the other arms of the league and uh, and uh, yeah, gave a little bit back to what makes league so what makes the pyramid so great. But um, in terms of Brentford, I'm not entirely sure about the money-wise. I think we're in a lucky situation where we do have a very rich owner who's also a fan, so I, I think that has to come into it. If you if, if you have someone who is a benefactor and they will, uh, they're quite a large, they've got a large sum of money behind them, but the club's going to be okay because he's used to sort of bankrolling a club. Not many clubs in this in these divisions make money, they're losing money, so they need, they need input from somewhere. So some clubs that don't have that backing could find themselves in uh, a little bit of difficulty, but I, I think we'll be—I I think we'll be okay to this. It sounds a bit blasé to, with such a severe thing going on, but financially, we should be okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, up next, let's be a little bit lighter. We've talked, spoken a lot about coronavirus implications here. Uh, let's talk about some of the greatest goals we've seen at Griffin Park. Of course, this year is the last season at Griffin Park. You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. I'm joined on the Brentford Fan Show by Robin Hood-McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. Griffin Park last season, this season. I'm going to let you guys take it, take it away with this because you will have seen the goals. You will have some favourites. We've also, on the Sotted Twitter, had uh, some interaction as well there with people giving their votes for what their favourite goal has been at Griffin Park. It's going along this top 10 themes or best of themes. Uh, guys, what, what are your favourite goals from Griffin Park as we head, head to the end of the last season? Um, well, I'll, I'll start. So basically, I've, I've been checking our Twitter and I've been uh, talking to, as um, the B Grant would say, uh, the chums in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> and we have basically been trying to collate. Because the wonderful thing about football goals um, is that they are so, and, and as is all of football actually, is it's so utterly subjective. Goals can have significance for the technique that it was used for the occasion. Um, that it was on for significance for the individual player, um, and it's fair, to, it's fair to say that mainly in recent years, given our, pro- our rise um, up the up the leagues and the, pro- up the prominence of our football, that uh, some of our some of the some of the goals we've seen are absolutely extraordinary. Um, so we've got a few contributions here. The first one, I'm, I'm uh, pleased to uh, forgive myself and Dave Miles if we start gushing about some wonderful <laughs> moments. No, please do, please do. Please do. We need some um, positivity in our lives at the moment. We do indeed. So I, th- I tell you what, I'm, do- I'm going to start with and this is entirely selfish for me um a, ch- um, a chat that because i basically i went to the i went to the to the pub with my dad earlier and um, i was saying that basically on the radio later i'm going to be talking about some very famous Brentford goals and he almost immediately came up with one that i'd almost forgotten about and it does hold actually special significance because it was um uh, in 2001 in a uh, in a league cup game i can't remember what the actual competition was called back then and it was actually the first goal i ever scored saw kevin o'connor score now i just want to say dave oh, dave wow. do you remember what goal that was no, no, I don't. No, I'm not as good at remembering these things. I, I'll remember when I see it again. Go. Yeah, I remember it vividly. It was on the top. We were sitting in the top tier of the Brook Road stand when that was the home end, and it was in the last minute against Norwich, who were an upper table championship side, and we were in uh, what is now League One. And Kevin O'Connor pops up in the last minute and scored um, and scored the winning goal against Norwich to send us through to the next round. And um, it was it was basically a near post a near post strikers finish now if the younger fans of Brentford today uh, would if I was to tell you that Kevin O'Connor was once an incredible 
incredibly potent striker and scored a, a left-footed <laughs> half volley. It was absolutely brilliant. It was a, it was one of those goals that you sort of vividly remember because I could barely see the goal given the angle that the Brook, the upper tier of the Brook Road was Sam was in. So that was quite a significant goal for my dad personally and and for me and him sitting there because that's one of the first games that we properly remember going to so that was that was thing and obviously kevin o'connor i think that's quite significant because that was when he was you know he was very very early on in his career with the club and he's since gone on to 500 games and become a club legend and yeah to see to see that he's now part of the coaching setup and has never you know started at griffin park and has never left i think that holds special significance for me awesome stuff yeah great do you, do you have an immediate one that comes to mind? Because I mean, I've got I've got a, lo- a load of lists here, and before before I start reeling them off, I just thought, if, was there one that came to mind for you? Uh, I don't know. One, list. I'm more of the ones you sort of remember more recently, and they kind of stick with me a bit a bit more. I don't, I don't know. I think hotter in the last minute a couple of times has just been awesome. And I, I guess <laughs> for me, it's more the occasion. It's not so much the goal itself. I think we've seen we've been quite sport every year as a great goal. It's just more of what it means at the time, but. Oh yeah, there's some bits of great goals, but yeah, Hotter, Hotter is uh, Hotter against Fulham has caused some absolute damage, and his one where he sort of cut in and buried it in the bottom corner. I think the whole occasion, sort of everyone jumping up, that really sticks with me in more recent times. But another one that really kind of, kind of, I can't get out of my head is Morpai against Villa last season. It was that was just <laughs> yeah. absolutely incredible. I think it was a really tight game. It was um, it was a game where we sort of. It was Smith returning back to Griffin Park and the occasion sort of we 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 fooled them with Canals' positioning and we just we, we were much better than them out throughout the entire match and they thought they'd get away with a draw and then more well, pie later. Well. It was it was a, it was a yep. live game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was live, it was live and more pie uh, came up with the goods. But it's just how he did it in the fashion. It was just so typical of him, sort of putting well, sitting down Tyrone Mings and then curling one to the top corner and just everyone just went absolutely mental. And I think those it's more recently those ones that sort of stick in my mind because just because of the quality of what's going on and, and the occasion and what it actually means. But yeah, more part of the villa was, uh, was pretty special. Yeah, I remember being there in the last minute, and everyone went absolutely radio rental for it. It was just, it was just one of those. It's just an absolute. It was just, it was just one of those goals that, and because it was quite a tight game, and I just remember Ben Rama. You know, Macrocho picked up the ball, laid it off to Ben Rama, fed it into Melpe, and it was, it was, you know, for a five foot eight, five foot nine striker to hold off Tyrone Mings and put him on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and then put the finish away was absolutely extraordinary. That's that's funny enough. One that um, Jerry the cabbie of Desotted, um contributor came up with was was that was the the one thing that one of the ones that really stuck with. Him. Him. Uh, and uh, throughout the whole of the WhatsApp chat when we were talking about it, um, uh, after about things sort of you know ten, eleven, twelve messages, Ali Malali then popped up and said, "Has no one mentioned Jotter in the last minute against Fulham?" And yeah, <laughs> it, 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 I think Jotter against Fulham was. Um, I'm actually going to uh, hold. Um, put my hands up and say I wasn't able to make it to that game uh, due to other commitments but um, it, the, having seen it on telly and just the descriptions of people uh, that were there saying yeah it was absolutely fantastic and if I'm right in thinking it took a deflection but we won't talk about that um, no we don't think we need deflections <laughs> so I'm just, um, going, just over, yeah go on Go on, no, yeah, go on, you lead, Rob, that's fine. So I wanted to move over to Twitter to a, a more famous goal, which um, which is um, given to us uh, on the on Twitter by Brian, uh, that's at Brentford Zero, um, who gave us Paul Evans versus Preston um, in, I think, 1999. Now, this is a goal that goes down in Brentford folklore. Um, I'll just set the scene for you, Miles, because you may not be aware of it. Paul <laughs> Evans was a sort of a five foot seven, five foot eight midfielder. Um, he joined us from, was it Shrewsbury, I think? If yeah, I remember, sure. I think it's a Shrewsbury. Yeah. 
Yeah, but basically, he 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 could only score goals from thirty yards out and further. It was it was absolutely incredible. Like this, you know, as a little midfielder, loved to tackle, got yellow cards, put himself about, and was club captain for a while. Um, and basically, we were I think we were one nil down against Preston. Preston had just scored, and their fans were celebrating, and it was all. Um, they were really, really loving it, and their goalkeeper had run out to celebrate with their players. And as he was trudging back, he sort of um, turned around and stopped to celebrate with his with his centre backs. Now, straight from kickoff, this is straight from kickoff. Paul Evans stands in the middle in the centre circle and says, "Just give it here." Now, if you go onto YouTube and type in Paul Evans Preston, you'll see it. He literally get, gets the ball, and from the halfway line, he doesn't lob the keeper; he shoots. It's a it's a shot. It arrows in. It's not like a looping effort. It's a it's a it's a missile. It absolutely shoots yeah. and lands. Well, in it's driven, point. isn't it? Like he drives yeah. it and just hits it just so cleanly, like straight from the laces and just slightly coming across. But does, is it the one that he slips a little bit as well? <laughs> yeah, he's got, and that's the amazing thing. He <laughs> fell over while he was doing it. I, 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 yeah. if any, anyone is listening, <laughs> Brentford or not Brentford, I actively I can't actively encourage you enough to go onto YouTube and type in Paul Evans Preston and find the goal because it is just it's almost too quick for the cameraman as well it's 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 one of those goals that I'm I when I was there and saw it live I was sort of seven eight years old and it was it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen at the time (laughs) but then as you get older you appreciate just how ridiculous and daring it was and yeah he should have been booked for the audacity of it it was absolutely (laughs) tremendous um but yeah so i just uh big big thanks to brian uh at brentford zero on twitter for letting us know about that that did pop up in a few whatsapp chats as well um but yeah it was really that's that's something that definitely sticks out in memory and i mean that would be my personal um or probably second in my personal uh goals greatest goals at griffin park um Moving on, I've got another one here, which is a bit more comical, uh, which was against Swindon in, I think, 2014, uh, which pops up a couple of times. And it's a chap called Sammy Saunders. You may have heard of him. Uh, He basically goes to take a free kick. It's about sort of uh, right side of the goal, 20, 25 yards out. Uh, And again, I'd actively encourage you to check YouTube out for this. Because as he's going to take the free kick, he trips over his own feet and slips over. Uh, So he gets up. Slightly embarrassed, obviously. The Swindon fans are giving him a load of grief. Uh, he gets up, the referee blows the whistle, and he hits the most sublime top corner free kick you've ever seen. It's uh, yeah, it's about 25 yards out. It arrows over the over the wall into the far corner, and then he celebrated in front of the Swindon fans by falling over a few times. <laughs> so, and that that was just a beautiful encapsulation of Sam Saunders as a player, yeah, yeah. As, an inc- as an incredible Deadpool Deadpool specialist, and also as a character and being a real sort of not necessarily the Joker of the pack, but being that character that and that really lovable, likable chap that's made him again. And similar to Kevin O'Connor and Hotter go down in Brentford folklore. We'll keep this conversation going after we have a break. Uh, if you want to add your greatest goals, Brentford fans, greatest goals at Griffin Park, 0208 70 20 558. Remember, from the 31st of March, Love Sports National Station is going to be the only way of listening to Love Sport on DAB radio across the UK. So if you're listening us to us right now, which you are on Love Sport London, what you need to do after the show, we don't want you ruining your radio now, but after the show, retune your radio. Really easy to do. There's an auto. There should be an auto tune button, a refresh, or an auto scan uh, on the on the digital radio. Or if you can't find one of those, go into the menu, press auto tune. Make sure you don't miss your favourite shows on Love Sport. We'll keep the chat going about greatest goals at Griffin Park and actually Griffin Park itself. Have we seen the last Brentford game at Griffin Park? How can we resolve that? If 
the season does not go ahead. It's half past eight. This is Love Sport London. Miles Blumsom here in for Matt Beadle on the Brentford Fan Show, joined by Robin Hood McMichael and Dave XG Anderson talking about the greatest goals at Griffin Park. A little bit of light relief, hopefully, from the coronavirus pandemic that is going around at the moment. Reminded that Boris Johnson has uh, advised people to stay out of pubs, to stay out of offices, to stay, uh, to stay off transport, to not travel, to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Now, this isn't a legal requirement yet. It's advice from Boris uh, Johnson. Have we got some more greatest goals? Robin, you were the one leading the chat there. Are there some any more that come to mind? Absolutely, yeah. So um, what I'm just going to do, so the, the first ones were sort of ones that go down in Brent folklore a little bit. Um, but these ones I think that I'm going to reel off now are just ones that I think hold significance in terms of where we are as a club now. So I'll go back to 2004. Uh, now this is the, the um, going towards the end of the season and it was, um, Martin, it was Martin Allen's first sort of half season in charge. And it was a goal um, against Hull City where we won, I believe it was 1-0, and it was a goal by Alex Rhodes. Now, <laughs> Dave, do you remember Alex Rhodes? Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember. Yeah. So, um, and this this was a goal where basically we had if we if we had to win to stay up, we were uh, staring league uh, staring what is now League Two relegation in the face. And I think, given the situation of our club at that current time, uh, if we'd have gone down, we'd I think we would were in massive danger of going of getting a second relegation, dropping out of the football league entirely. Uh, and then up popped Alex Rhodes, who was an academy product. Um, and scored a fantastic left-footed finish uh, from the far side of the goal and kept us up. Um, it was against Hull City uh, in 2004, and that's something that holds very, very special significance. Uh, unfortunately, his career didn't really pan out um, after that, did it, Dave? Uh, no, no, not um, not very fortunate in that sense. No, it was, um, uh, yeah, pretty yeah, brief. It was sort of, you know, a few injuries here and there, and yeah, it was it was it was disappointing. Uh, the other one I'm going to go to for significance is um, DJ Campbell. Uh, you may remember, may have heard of him. He obviously went off to um, went on to prominence in the Premiership with uh, Blackpool and has sort of made a name for himself there. Uh, but back back uh, when he was uh, just playing for playing for Brentford, little old Brentford, uh, we drew Sunderland at home, and this was in 2006 FA Cup uh, third or fourth round. I can't remember what it was now, but uh, DJ Campbell popped up and scored a brace. Uh, to send us through, and we won two one, and it was his um, his both of his goals. To be honest, you can pick either one of them, but he made yeah. a Sunderland Premiership defence look very very silly. Both of them hanging on the last, def- both of them hanging on the last defender. Quick turn of pace, uh, rounded the keeper, and a great left foot finish. Uh, and he's a player that obviously created his own charm. He was only with us for about six months, but yeah, he was a very, very significant player. He went off to Birmingham, didn't he? Straight off, straight from Brentford, uh, straight to the Premier League. Is that correct? Yeah, but no swearing on here, please, Miles. We don't like that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he sort of uh, basically, as far as I can remember, the um, the player that the Birmingham scout was there, and the player that he was actually looking at at the time was Sam Sodji, because they were in the Premiership. They had a quite, quite a leaky defence, and um, as far as I remember, not not much money to spend. So they were looking down in the lower leagues, and Sam Sodji, our centre half, was getting a lot of reputation for being a very very good ball player, great, um, dangerous in the air. Uh, and really, really good defender. So they were there watching him, and they saw DJ Campbell and thought, "Oh God, we've got to have a, you know, we need to have some of this." Um, and they they bought him for I think it was six hundred, seven hundred k. And obviously, I think that kind of curtailed our uh, promotion push at the time. 
but it was um, it was still a great moment, and it was a, just a wonderful, wonderful goal. Um, I've never seen any footballer look as uncomfortable as Gary Breen did trying to play up against him. It was it was um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely it was absolutely brilliant to watch. Uh, and then the other one I'm going to hand over to XG for because I think you'll know what it was. It was Alan Judge against Preston in 2014. Ooh, uh, which one was this one? Was it penalty? That was the penalty. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you remember that one. It was um, it was the goal that essentially got us promoted into the championship where we are now. Yeah, it was just loads of emotion. It was it was just ripped and. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it's kind of sort of set us on the route of the, the kind of trajectory we're on now. There was just so much feeling in it, wasn't there? It just he wasn't missing that. Yeah, it was a it was a great occasion. Yeah, it was in front of the, the Preston fans as well, and they were there for their annual Genting Day. Um, and obviously, he was only a lone player at the time, and then he signed permanently that summer. And it was just a wonderful encapsulation of, um, of football itself, because all you know, the Preston fans were celebrating their annual tradition. And um, Alan Judge was celebrating, sort of being revitalised as a footballer after uh, moving from Notts County, I think, to Blackburn, and then it not working out at Blackburn, so him then dropping back down to to League One with Brentford, and then obviously Brentford being promoted to the Championship. It was just it was such a special day, it was such a wonderful occasion, and yeah, we were we were absolutely over the moon to have, to have seen that, and yeah, and, and obviously Alan Judge then went down and uh, to, went on to do even more amazing things with Brentford but yeah that, that that goal against Preston although it's only a penalty it might not be the most technically uh, marvellous goal to wonder but it certainly holds a lot of significance um, uh, so then just a couple more that were um, contributed by our Bizotted chums uh, Robbie uh, mentions the hotter goal against QPR in uh, 2017 where he uh, he left Jake Bidwell on his uh, on his backside. Really brilliant crossfield ball, which he took first time, lobbed it over Bidwell, cut back inside onto his wonderful left foot and buried it in the bottom corner. Uh, that's one that came up, and I think that's a very, very uh, fitting tribute to, to him. Uh, Ian Westbrook came up with one as well, which was um, a goal by a chap called Tony Folan against Cambridge back in the late 90s. Uh, now, Tony Folan, if you don't know about him, was um, uh, sort of a, a bit of a one-season wonder, unfortunately. He only really had one great season, and then uh, his career never never really kicked onto the heights that it, it, it potentially had the opportunity to. And he scored so many wonderful goals, uh, particularly in a really good away goal against Peterborough, where he dribbled around three or four players and chipped the keeper. But this one was, again, for sheer audacity. He picked the ball up, um, on the edge of his own penalty area from an opposition corner, sort of um, sprinted out to the halfway line that quickly lost momentum. And we were all thinking, OK, what's he doing? What he then did was lob the keeper from the halfway line. <laughs> it was it was just one of those, again, similar to the Paul Evans one, one of those daring sort of, wait, he's not actually trying that. Oh, he's done that. And then he put it away. It was a marvellous goal. And then again, if you, that'll be somewhere on YouTube. So I can't, you know, again, the technical audacity for that. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and go on. Yeah, go on. Uh, no, keep going. Uh, yeah, just, uh, and that, that's a player that, in one season, um, I think influenced me watching football a lot more than most players do in a, in a whole career. I think he, he, it just the stuff he could do with the ball at his feet was absolutely marvellous. Like I said, he never really went on to prominence um, like he could have done. But yeah, he was he was a, he was a, spe- a very very special talent. Well, that's a good way to finish Grace's goals. Now we're talking about the Grace goals at Griffin Park. I want to talk about Griffin Park itself. This season supposed to be the last season at Griffin Park. Next season is when Brentford move into the new stadium, the start of the 2020-2021 season. That's a mouthful actually. 2020-2021 <laughs> season is supposed to be played at the new Brentford Stadium uh, what's going to happen with this uh, short, well with the games being postponed, if they're not 
going to start again until August, September, whether it's the end of this season or the start of next season. Do you expect them to still be played at Griffin Park? Do you expect them to be at the new stadium? How do you think this is going to be resolved? Well, I think, yeah, it's... Really. Yeah, go on, Dave. No, go on, Dave. Well, no, I was just going to say, it's, it's incredibly tricky. I think uh, to, to open a new stadium, there's things like uh, you sort of have to have test events. You, you, it doesn't just sort of open and you go in. You have to prove that it's safe and it works. And the fact that we can't actually play any games and you can't put lots of people together or players together delays it. So it probably is going to lead to Griffin Park not being given over to who it needs to be given over to and then us not moving to the new stadium until a lot later than planned. Um, we also, it's, the stadium's actually not finished as well, so if we have issues around people working, uh, they may be delayed, they may not be able to actually complete what they need to do in time as well. So uh, it's, it's without doubt it's going to be extended, it's just, uh, it's just probably till when and uh, hopefully we find that out soon. But they're, they're, again, they probably don't know as yet and it's still a work in progress there. I think there's probably some contractual obligations that we have, like, in, regardless of what stage the season is at, it's not, it's never, it's never been. It's always been the last season at Griffin Park and the, the move into the new stadium. I don't think there's ever been a sort of we must, you know, we must conti- finish the season at Griffin Park. I think no, we, no, we, we, we will have we'll have to move into the new stadium at a certain date, and then what the future of Griffin Park after that is um, is is obviously is is down to whoever owns the land after that. Um, but yeah, I think regardless of what stage the season is at, when we move into the new stadium, that's where we will play the rest of our games, whether or not it's the remaining games of the current season or start of the new season. That's where it will be played. I think that's what should happen. I, um, I don't think we should wait and delay it too much just because of nostalgia uh, and there's a very big reason why I'm saying that today of all days but we'll get onto that later So we can't have the last game at Griffin Park already being played without some fanfare if the league's cancelled or the next games are good, next uh, proper league games or competitive features will happen at the new stadium do you think there'll be a, a send-off organised for Griffin Park? Do you think a, a Legends game maybe or some sort of you've got to have one more game surely no, it's just going to be me and XD Dave playing the crossbar challenge for the, for the <laughs> audience. That's all it's going to be. Um, no, I, th- I, th- I think it'll be, I think a, a Legends game would be a, a nice, fi- a nice fitting, uh, a nice fitting tribute. I think. I, th- I, th- I, I, I want the last ever game at Griffin Park to be with the current squad. That's from, that's from, from, that's just my opinion. I think the way the, the way Griffin Park should bow out is giving homage to the future. Obviously, we've, the, Griffin Park holds so many memories. For all of us fans, in terms of the, um, the, the sort of the significance of all the events and all the goals and all the jubilation and all the um, all the horror, all the horror moments we've seen there as well, and I think the fifth, the best way to end that season is to provide a springboard for the future. And uh, I think psychologically and sentimentally, if we were to end the season with um, the last game at Griffin Park being the current squad giving it the farewell before moving into the new stadium I think that would be the best, most fitting tribute I understand a lot, not a lot of people will agree with, with me on that one but that's what I think it should be Could it be the current squad versus the legend squad if it does have to be a special game? <laughs> what a massacre that would be blimey Brian and Wemo versus Iger Anderson that would be wicked um, <laughs> maybe I think, what are your thoughts Dave? Well, I think a legends v current, yes, yeah, a bit of a clash of cultures. I think there's a little bit more aggression back then. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think without getting too, I don't want to think too seriously about it, but in terms of sort of the new stadium and this one carrying on, you can't really, you can't really sort of think about that one until this season's finished and we, 
we can't really get this one signed off. But finishing off the finishing off stadiums, I, I, I don't know. There's so many different things going around, like a sort of big conf- uh, big concert where um, I don't know hard fight could play or something like that. There's there's loads of things that people want to sort of say bye. And but I, I think it's just more about everyone being in there and actually whatever whatever actually happens, it's just it being full with sort of some familiar faces and uh, everyone looking down on something. I, I don't think what whatever happens inside actually matters. It's more it's more just saying goodbye and um and uh, and it being full and being there together and that's just fingers crossed what we uh, what we have to hope can actually happen. Hopefully yeah, but, it, mainly, but mainly it's about me and you doing the crossbar show. Okay? <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, probably we'll that. To, yeah, we'll, that'd be good. Whatever happens, we'll have to try and sort that out for <laughs> half time entertainment, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> if you can make that happen, Miles, I'll, you'll make me a very happy man, don't I'll, you? Worry. I'll make some calls. I'll do my best. Um, okay, so hopefully we can see the rest of the season conclude at Griffin Park. We'll let you know if we hear anything, what we do hear. In some news, actually, we've just seen that Thursday's Premier League darts have been postponed in Newcastle, and huge news is that the Grand National has been cancelled completely cancelled the Grand National because of the COVID, COVID-19 outbreak, the coro- coronavirus outvid- outbreak, sorry, remember that Boris Johnson has said to avoid offices, pubs and travel to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Up next, let's look ahead to next season because it will happen at some point, whether it's this year, next year, four years, five years, there will be a next Premier League, se- a next Premier League championship season, Premier League season, there'll be a next season of football at some point in the future. I hope so anyway. 0208 70 20 558 if you have any questions about tickets. It's quarter to nine, this is Love Sport. Giving your team the coverage they deserve. Love Sport Radio. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport London. Miles Blumson in for Matt Beadle, joined by Robin Hood-McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. Now, tickets uh, for the games that have been postponed. Just quickly, Brentford on the website on brentfordfc.com have said that fans are being reminded to keep hold of any match tickets in their possession, ready for when the Skybet Championship season resumes. So, it's postponed at the moment till the 3rd of April there's going to be a meeting on Wednesday from the EFL the Premier League one is on Thursday hopefully we'll have some more clarity as to what's going to happen as to whether football can resume in April or if there'll be further postponements but for now keep hold of your tickets so that you can get to the games when they are played if they are played Keep hold of your tickets, <laughs> is pretty much what we're saying. Um, and in, in terms of the new season, getting your season ticket, Robin, you have gone to pick up your season ticket, or tried to anyway. Uh, yeah, and I said today, uh, myself, Edward the Headwood and Gordon Lindsay, um, our trio of chums, uh, we went to pick <laughs> up our, uh, new, our season ticket from the reservation centre. Uh, for those of you that haven't done it, that have done it, you'll know exactly what I'm about to talk about talk about um for those of you that haven't done it i um, i can't wait for you to experience it it was an absolutely <laughs> fantastic it was genuinely one of those it and i've always been a very sort of you know looking really really sad to leave griffin park because it is a place that holds so many memories because it is a place that has been part of my upbringing part of my childhood and i'm sure a part of every single Brentford fan's childhood um but i went to pick up the my ticket my season tickets today uh, the guys there couldn't have been more welcoming they couldn't have been any more um, excited and interested to know exactly who we were as fans, who what, what we were looking to do and what we were looking to get out of the new stadium, where we wanted to sit, where we'd been before, where we'd be, which pubs we'd be going to beforehand and afterwards. And yeah, it was just really, really wicked um, experience. So we yeah, we've got our seats in the west in the west stand, and we're really 
really looking forward to it. Um, just uh, we did ask a couple of questions there, and what's um, a couple of interesting things to come out from uh, that uh, reservation centre is that um, in the south stand, there's actually going to be a um, a <coughs> excuse me. A, 750 capacity bar that's going to be exclusive for the uh, premier seat holders but then after games that's going to be open for Brentford fans to go and enjoy a beer in after the game so that's just a real enhancement from Griffin Park rather than sort of right football's over off you go um, this is going to be it's good they're looking at they're looking at introducing that um, as a um, as a as a bar for Brentford fans to have a quick drink in for a couple of hours after the game's finished so that's going to be really really good and they're talking someone may raise the question they're talking and looking at the viability of having that available for um uh watching away games when when Brentford are playing away which i think is really really interesting um and yeah it's just it's 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 really really brings home the fact that whilst we are leaving griffin park which has been a such a wonderful home to all of us over the past few years over the past few decades even we are moving into an absolutely beautiful amazing new stadium the virtual reality where we saw how the stadium would look from um, every seat was amazing the way in which you can pay for your seats whether it's just in as a full whack whether it's 25 percent now and 75 percent later or whether or not it's four installments of 25 percent payments they've really really thought it out and it was an absolutely fantastic experience so i just wanted to praise the club for that uh, and for those of you that hasn't got haven't got your season tickets yet for the new stadium uh, i cannot but you, uh, you have got a real treat in store for your appointment it's going to be really really brilliant uh, Dave, have you got yours yet no, not yet. Still, uh, still uh, umming and ahhing and deciding where sort of we want to be. And um, yeah, there's a few people to consult. A couple of them are away in America still. But um, everyone speaks amazingly. Well. Like, it, it can't be spoken highly enough. Everyone that's sort of done it says that they're just bowled over and they've had a great time. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it, and we'll uh, we'll get there eventually. But um, yeah, so Sounds like a great experience. So, Robin, what you're saying is they might open the bar in the stadium for away games so you can watch it on the telly in there. Are you a little bit worried about the away support going down, if that's the case? Uh, no, so it's, it's, it, they've, they've, not, they've not confirmed it, but that's a question that was raised, and it's something that has been fed back to the, to the board of directors, and they're looking at the viability of it. So, yeah, just basically for away games, I presume you'll have to pay tickets to go. To go and, if they do do it, they'll, you're going to have to pay tickets to go and see it uh, and maybe reserve a table in order to to watch it but um yeah brentford is a wonderful community club and um the vast majority of our supporters um enjoy interacting with the white fans um and fans from all across the country so we have a really good rapport and a really good relationship with other with away fans and um, this would i think this would purely be for home fans and it would be purchased in advance it wouldn't just be like an like an open bar where anyone could walk in it would have to be reservable but that was i thought that was a really interesting question that was raised but i think one thing it does more than anything is highlight how how valuable this stadium move is because it's going to give us as a club the opportunity to grow and and the stadium becomes something a bit more than just a football stadium it becomes more of a um, a home that can accommodate more things and, and accommodate more people on more days uh, but so i wouldn't be too worried about the the away the away fans coming down dave would you go on an away day to the new stadium to watch the game on the telly with everybody instead of uh, heading away to a game uh, I, I would, yeah. I mean, I'm probably, yeah, probably not sounding great because you should want to go to as many games, away games as you can and get around the stadium. But it's not always, it's not always possible. It's not always like time-wise. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd give it a go. Yeah, it wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be my number one choice. But I think it could be, a, I think it could be a go. And um, yeah, I mean, any chance to watch the side and sort of get around like-minded people and fans is, uh, it's got to be a plus. 
But, but it's, 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 a, it's a nice gesture to have, and particularly for yeah. given that given the financial implications that come with supporting Brentford and travelling away and going clubs, some people aren't able to afford that kind of thing. So I think it's just a really good um, opportunity that the club presents for people like that, and I, I, I don't think it'll discourage um, discourage people from going to away games too much. Now, Robin, earlier when we were talking about the, the stadium, Dave said that he thinks that the season will be finished at Griffin Park, that they'll postpone the opening of the new stadium, whereas you're saying, no, we'll get in the stadium at the contractual obligation of the date that has been set and we'll get in there as quickly as we can. Do you think because you've been down and you've got your tickets and you've experienced it in that way, do you think that's, that's what's influencing your thinking? Yeah, I, I think maybe rose-tinted glasses are, are coming into play here. But like, because I'm, I'm still caught up in the euphoria of, of having got my season ticket or not, well, having reserved my seat and, and booked it all and been through that experience. And maybe, maybe in a couple of days I'll feel a little bit differently. But right now, yeah, no, sorry, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to move into. <laughs> move into <laughs> um, yeah. Can I? What I would just like to say, um, Miles, if that's okay, is that we didn't actually get onto what um, from WhatsApp and from from Twitter has been universally regarded as the greatest Griffin Park goal ever. Oh, let's do it. Um, so um, that's, that's just something I wanted to end on because uh, we. So obviously we put this question out on Twitter, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, on, on everything, and there are so many different goals that came up. Side Ben Rama against Hull was another one. Uh, Gary Blissett's second goal against Man City was another one from Phil. So many, so many, so many different goals. Ben Rama should have about five, couldn't he? <laughs> he <should have> <laughs> yeah, five hundred. Um, Trotter against Chelsea in the Cup 2013 from Cham. So many, so many different ones. But the one goal that most people came up with, and it's something that uh, Matthew Pye on Twitter said as well. Um, and it's something, and it was the first goal that I thought of was actually in a three-one defeat to Wickham in 2008. So it doesn't, so that that doesn't in itself sound very, very glamorous. But basically, we had a player called Glenn Paul. Uh, who was a, a, left, a left-sided midfielder who came up from the, sort of from non-league and left a lasting legacy to play, basically purely just because of one goal. Ryan Dixon, our left back at the time, took a corner and he floated it past the past the past the penalty box and away from the penalty box to about 35, 40 yards out. Now everyone was looking around, thinking, "What the hell's he done there?" Next thing you know, Glenn Paul runs onto it and hits a volley that is so quick and so good that it, it nestles in the bottom corner. If you to go onto YouTube and type Glenpool Wickham, Glenpool Gold versus Wickham, you'll see what I mean. It's absolutely astonishing. So that was the goal that was the most talked about, if that makes sense, uh, from all, all, all forms of communication about what was the best goal that they've ever seen at Griffin Park. I think you're right, Robin. That was the perfect way to end the show today. So thank you very much uh, for yeah. joining us. Robin Hood-McMichael, Dave XG Anderson was the, has been the Brentford fan show. They're both from Besotted, of course. Miles Blumsom here in for Matt Beadle. Remember, from the 31st of March, Love Sports National Station is going to be the only way of listening to us here on Love Sport. Now, you're listening on Love Sport London at the moment, so you're going to need to retune your radio. Easy to do. There should be a auto-tune refresh or auto-scan button on your digital radio or you head into the menu and press auto-tune and then you'll make sure you don't miss any of your favourite love sports shows, including the Brentford Fan Show and what we'll be talking about next. Next up, we're going to be doing the Leighton Orient Fan Show here on Love Sport London. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.